If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We'll begin reading at verse 10. We're just going to be uh, dealing with the last part of verse 10. In this day, in this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother righteousness. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death, that we pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, may you open up the scriptures to our mind, pray the Holy Spirit would help us to receive the engrafted word that we might grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. And we thank you for your testimony in our hearts, and we thank you for this congregation, and thank you for the love of God that shall have brought in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Chapter 3 is dealing with basically showing the children of God and the children of the devil. Now Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 and 2. He says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Every individual is born dead in trespasses and sins. For in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. I'll just say this as a side note. Why is our government acting the way they are? Because Satan is working through his children. They are children of the devil, and he is fulfilling his plan and purpose through them. He's pushing evil in the world. And all of those outside the realm of salvation, all those outside of being born again, Satan uses them and works through them to fulfill his purpose and plan. And as we see in chapter 3, as we're going to see, uh, John chose Cain to illustrate the world. He's a modification of the world. The world has the spirit of Cain, as we're going to see. As we look at the uh, last part of verse 10, neither he that loveth not his brother. And again, that word loveth means continuously hating his brother. It means he's not, he's not habitually loving his brother. It makes clear that the love of the brethren is an essential aspect of practice of righteousness. How do we do righteousness? By loving one another. Now, it's, as we're going to see, there's more to loving each other than we think. Oh, I love you, Brother Dave. Now, that's easy to say. As we're going to get down into the next few verses, we're going to see what does it mean to love one another? What does it really mean? It's more than just shaking a hand, saying, I love you. Have a good week. The Lord bless you. Now, that's what some people's love amounts to. That's about it. 
But we're going to see what biblical love really is. Remember what Christ's love meant. It's sacrificial love. It cost him everything. Love is an act of the will. It is not feeling, like I say, a warm feeling toward other people. It is in a general way, but it's doing good to specific individuals. Are we doing good to each other in Mount Zion? Until we do that, we're not really loving each other. John says in 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in words. See, it's easy to say, I love you. Neither in tongue. The saying things, but don't really fulfill those things. But in deed and in truth. What's the old saying goes? Show me your love by your actions. And that's why John is saying, love is to be seen. So as we clarify, finish up on verse 10, uh, Verse uh, 13 there as we, uh, 10 as we finished that up last, last time. We come down to verse 11. For this is the message which, that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. All through this, you're going to see love emphasized over and over and over. Why John is teaching us that a person who is truly born of God has love in his heart. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, as it says in Romans 5, through the Holy Ghost. If you're born again, you have the love of God in your heart and soul. And this love, uh, love one another, the word love is, again, in the present tense, in, indicating continuous action. We are continually loving one another in the church of God. This is something to be done, be doing as a matter of course, something John readers were doing, and he wanted them to keep on doing it, keep on loving each other. As we think about this love, we see it demonstrated in various parts of Scripture. In 1 John 3.23, says, And this is the commandment, His commandment, that we should... Believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. That is a commandment. And what else? And love one another. Love one another. As He gave commandment, gave us commandment. We should love one another. And I want, John is getting that across to you and I about love in one another. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. How do you know you're born again? Because you love the brethren. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. John is continually teaching the children of God there that love is an evidence of being born of God. Love is an evidence. He says in chapter 4, verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's a big command, that I should love you as God loved me. Now that's a big command. And without God's grace and spirit, we cannot do that. Verse 12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. It's perfected in us as we love each other. In other words, God perfects His love as we love those that we come in contact with. Now, we're to love our neighbor also. But we can only love the born-again children of God as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we're born of the same spirit and we have the same parentage. 
Jesus said in verse uh, 34, 13, he said, New commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. That's another great verse. I'm to love Bill, Roger, as Jesus loved me. Now, how did he love me? By sacrificing himself for me. We should be willing to sacrifice ourselves for those we love in the church, in the congregation. It's a sacrificial love. Verse 17, he says, These things I command you that you love one another. Now, this is a command. So failure to love one another, we're breaking the command of Christ. He commands us to love one another. I want to say a few things before I get into the next verse. Can a child of God walk in darkness? Yes, we can. But we don't walk in darkness habitually. Can a child of God get angry with his brother or sister? Yes, they can. But they don't do it habitually. They eventually will be reconciled to each other. God will convict one of the other ones and they will be reconciled to each other. So yes, we can walk in darkness at times in our Christian life. If you're not fellowshipping God, you're walking in darkness. There's times we're out of fellowship with God because of sin. But God deals with us as sons and daughters. I just want to make that clear this morning. Uh, we're not saying that you can never walk in darkness or that you can never be angry with your brother. But what John is teaching, you will not continuously, continuously hate, keep on hating your brother. And you will not keep living a life of disobedience all the way to the end of time, to the end of your life. That's contrary to being a child of God. And it's between you and the Lord where you stand. I can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. But the Word of God makes it very clear that if you're born of God, you will not habitually keep on sinning. Now, where does that start and where does it end? Only you know and God knows. We don't know. Now we look at verse 12. John says, Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one. Now, oh, there is the Greek word ek. He was out of the wicked one. And we know who that wicked one was. Satan, the serpent in the Garden of Eden. A wicked one. We're going to look at a few verses that describes the wicked one in Scripture. Now, you're either of God or of the wicked one. We're either children of God or children of the devil. There is no in-between. You're on one side or the other. Jesus says you're either with me or against me. There is no neutral. There is no middle ground. You're either child of God or child of the devil. And you can distinguish who you are by how you live, how you act, how you love, and how you hate. These are practical things John is teaching us. So in Matthew 13, 19, he says, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. Verse 38 says, The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. 
1 John 2.13 says, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because you have known the father. Verse 14, I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Verse 12 says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, or out of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him, because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Then verse 18, it says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and the wicked one toucheth him not. So there's that wicked one. We either of God or we are of the devil. And the devil is working in the children of disobedience. And as we see, uh, the devil working through, working through, uh, uh, Cain, it says, it's not only sin in general, which is of the devil, but hatred and murder in particular. For Jesus said the devil was a murderer from the beginning, John 8, 44. Who filled Cain's heart to murder Abel? Who was working through his depravity, his fallen nature? Satan. He's called the, of that wicked one, out of that wicked one. Cain was a prototype of the world, which still manifests its ugly qualities in first displaying the world, Cain's posterity, so we are not to be surprised if the world hates us. The world has the same attitude toward you and I that Cain had toward Abel. Now, you've got to have to face reality. The world is not our friend. It's not our friend. Jesus warned us that it would be so. In John fifteen eighteen. If, if, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me for it hated you. In verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And that word hateth is in the continuous tense. The world is continually hating Christians. But this cometh to pass, that the world might that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. In chapter 17, 14, he says, I have given them thy word in the world, have hated them. Referring to the apostles there and all God's children, because they are not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Now you see why early in John chapter 2, John says, love not the world. Why? Because the world hates you. How can you love that which hates you with a passion continually? And beloved, I'll say this in, in respect to the things that are going on. Since they passed this law of moving the abortion issue into the states, has caused a tremendous chaos in the country of America to those on the left. Also, the agenda of the 
gay rights movements and all the agenda that goes along with that. I believe in the future we're going to see a coming of prosecution and suffering of the children of God, the church. They hate us with such a passion when that, when that lawlessness one, Satan, the wicked one, which they are, he's working through them, through our government, they're going to start attacking God's people and the government will stand back and let it happen. Be prepared, beloved. I believe there's hard times coming for God's people. We need to prepare ourselves spiritually and realize what's coming upon the world. Love not the world, John says in verse 15 through 17. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world, or we could say it's of the wicked one, Satan. All evil comes from Satan. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You must face it, beloved. The world is our enemy. And John said earlier, we read, remember reading, he that's a friend of the world is enmity against God. You want to be a friend of the world, then you're going to go against God. That's how serious this is in the warfare of Christ. You're either with me or against me, Jesus said. Joshua says, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You need to take your stand on one side or the other. If you're going to serve the Lord, put your whole heart into it. Your family's at stake. You're at stake. There's a lot at stake at this situation. Satan is roaring around as a lion seeking whom he may devour. And he loves to devour whole families. He loves to destroy nations. He loves to destroy families. He loves to destroy the home. He loves to destroy marriages. He loves to destroy churches. Satan is active in this world. And anything John is teaching us in 1 John, we can see Satan is working through his seed. Every person who's not born again is of the seed of Satan. Their fallen nature comes from Satan, from the fall of Adam and Eve. They have implanted in them a nature that's depraved, ungodly, wicked, and that desires things that's wicked. Wickedness. I believe we should be friends with everyone. Friendly. Like the Good Samaritan helped the neighbor who was on the road and needed help. But at the same time, we should never associate with friends of the world who do wickedness. We should not do after their wickedness. God warned Israel about following the Canaanites and the, all the wicked nations. He said, when you start doing as they do, I'll destroy you. Beloved God wants His people to be a peculiar people, a zealous people of good works, separated from the world. You've been bought with the price, God says. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your soul and your spirit, which belong to God. They don't belong to you. They don't belong to me. They belong to God. We are divine property. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world, 
hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. There's only one hope for a sinner that's lost in sins. It's that the glorious Holy Spirit will glorify and put the gospel into his heart and soul and quicken them from death to life as we're going to see. Oh, hallelujah for the cross. Then we come down to the next part of verse 12. It says, And he slew his brother. Wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother righteous. God is testifying that what Cain did, his works were evil. It came from an unchanged heart. He tried to serve God in the natural man. The natural man presented his offerings to the Lord. But he didn't come as a, by faith. He didn't offer nothing by faith. Like Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. You can only serve God truly when you're born of the Spirit of God. And that word slew his brother. We're talking about Cain and Abel now. It means to slaughter. You know, when they were taught how to slaughter an animal for sacrifice. It means to butcher by cutting the throat. Kill by violence, to murder, to kill. I was talking about slew. He did not just kill Abel, his brother, but he butchered him like an animal. Now, I believe this can be seen. You know, if you take a knife and you cut a person around the throat and cut their jugular vein, what's going to happen? They're going to bleed to death in seconds. And this is the way that Cain killed Abel. He just butchered him. Like he would an animal. Notice what it says in Genesis 4, 8 through 10. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Now notice how John emphasized brother. He didn't mention Abel. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He slaughtered him. He butchered him. And the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? Now notice this section. The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. That blood was, he cut his throat to, and butchered him in such a way that his blood was just spilt upon the ground. He slaughtered him like a hog. And God says, your brother's blood is crying unto me. Has showed you the hatred that Cain had for Abel. And why? Because his works were evil and Abel's works were righteous. That makes the difference in this world today. Why does the world hate you and I? Because their works are evil and our works are righteous. That's why they hate what we believe. They love wickedness. Jesus says, why won't you come to, you will not come to me because you love darkness rather than light. You love sin. Rather than holiness. Cain demonstrated his spiritual parentage by his actions, just as the one who loves demonstrates his divine parentage. Hate and murder reflect a diabolical and evil source. 
He's acting out of his nature. He was acting out of his nature. One is either practicing evil or one is practicing righteousness. And that's what distinguishes you, whether you're a child of God or a child of the devil. Are you practicing on a day-by-day basis evil? Then you're the child of the devil. If you're practicing righteousness continually, then you're a child of God. Now, in between those two, there can be times when a Christian can practice evil. Because if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. There is forgiveness for God's people. We can sin, yes. But we don't stay in that sin. We don't live in that sin. And we don't live the rest of our lives in that sin. We repent. Yes, we can get angry with our brother. We can get angry with the sisters. I said earlier. And what do we do? God said, be reconciled to thy brother. We're to forgive. How many times should I forgive Roger? Seven times. 470 times. If needs be. See, there's that forgiving spirit. Remember, Jesus taught, and you can kind of understand what he said. If you don't forgive your brother their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. What was he saying? God's people forgive each other. Maybe not at first. God had to deal with them. They'd be reconciled, but we will forgive one another and love each other. It's why? Because it's the spirit of our nature. Our nature being born again is to love and forgive and help others. Then he says in verse 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. The verb denotes a personal reaction to wonder, surprise, amazement. When someone encounters hatred, he says, stop being amazed that the world hates you. It's their nature to hate you. You know, we want to be friends with our neighbors, with our friends, and sometimes neighbors just don't like us. You know, it could be because Christ is seen in you. And they hate that image that's in you. They said they love their own. They'll love each other. The world loves their own. But they hate anything that's contrary to their nature. They don't love righteousness. They hate righteousness. Beloved, the command is love not the world. As Christians, love not the world. Because the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the wicked one. The world is not your friend. John goes from the little children to my brethren. My brethren. He puts his own self included in this. Brethren in the plural. He includes himself. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. And you know what's sad about this? Sometimes the world refers to our own family. Don't be surprised if your family hates you because of your stand for Christ. They hate what they see in you if they're not born again. They despise what's in you if they're not born again because their deeds are darkness, their works are evil, and you are righteous and you're doing righteousness. They don't like that. They don't want to be around that. And Jesus taught that about families. They'll hate you. They'll put you off among them. 
They count it strange, Peter said, that you don't go to them to the same act, same riotous living, ungodliness, wickedness. Why don't you run with us? Because we're not of the same family. We're not of the same nature. We serve a different God. You're serving the God of this world, small g. We're serving the Lord of glory from heaven. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity, Paul said. If you name the name of Christ, you profess to be a Christian, then depart from iniquity. Hate it. It's your enemy. That means hating yourself. Jesus said, if a man love me, he's to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. To deny yourself is deny those unlawful desires and feelings in your soul that are contrary to God's will. You're to deny that. And now there's where the battle comes in for you and I, the Christian life. What is the battle? It's choice between good and evil. The choice between good and evil. Hate is the present tense showing a habitual state of hostility. The world hates you. That word hate is in a continuous sense. The world is continually hating you all the way to the end of time. They will never change unless they're born again. You think our government's going to get better? If the Republicans get in? Now they are a little more conservative, but remember... Satan can work through them the same way he works through the Democrats. Who's the God of this world? Not the Democrats or the Republicans, but Satan himself. He's the God of this world. He's the one who's got things in his control by the permission of God. And he's working with all overtime right now because he knows his time is short, Brother Ross. But know where the source of evil is coming from. Yes, these these people who are making all these decisions in our Congress are inspired of Satan. We see the evidence of it. That's why they are writing laws and doing things to to persecute the Christians. Why? Because they hate us. Remember there was one that says in there, when she was running for president, I don't have to mention her name, but she says, Christians, you better get ready for this because it's coming. We're going to persecute you but she didn't make it into the presidency. Thank God. Like the Cain of old, the world is in alienation from God in opposition to God cannot tolerate the presence or righteousness of God. The world hates God. They hated God to the point that they crucified the Son of God, Jesus Christ, nailed Him to the cross. There shows you their hatred. Look at Calvary. And if they have the opportunity, that's where they had put each one of us as God's people that nail us to the cross. Germany's hatred for the Jews was so bad they killed six million Jews. They hated them. Shows you the evil of the wicked fallen nature of man. And again, referring to what Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you, is continually hating you. 
Remember the world, the word that I that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. It's coming, brother Dave. If they have kept my sins, they will keep yours also. But all these things shall they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Paul said in Timothy, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. I was thinking on this. Why, why do people feel comfortable around us that's of the world? You know, it may be because we're not living as separated as we should from the world. One man said the world has got too churchy and the church has got too worldly. And you can't tell the difference. That's why there's no conflict in a lot of areas. Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Where is peace at this morning? Where can we find peace? In Jesus. There's the only place called the Prince of Peace. You want peace this morning? It's only found in Jesus Christ, who is our peace. In the world, Jesus says, you shall have tribulation. We will have tribulation in the world. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Thank God He overcame the world. But in the world, as we live among the world, we're going to have tribulation. It could be sicknesses. It could be uh, persecution. It could be many different things come upon us in the world. And it could come from all different sources. Friends and foe. I have overcome the world, Jesus said. And then in verse 14, John says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. We know that we have passed from death unto life. The word know there is only to know absolutely. To know absolutely. It means to, uh, we know that we have passed from death to life. One person puts it this way. To know, rather than experimental knowledge, indicating that what is to be known is from the instruction of God's Word, but not experimentally. In other words, we learn things absolutely from the God's Word. We can, we can say absolutely, this is the truth. It's from God's Word. We know that once and for all. That's the truth. But some things we learn by experience, by doing things. We learn by experience. Genosco. The more we serve the Lord, the more we love Him by our experience. Have passed from death unto life. This verb is in the perfect tense, which means something had happened in the past with the present results. Speaking of past completed act, having a, having a case like this, permanent results. We have passed over permanently out of darkness into God's life. And in the Greek word there, there's the word the death and the life. You've been translated out of death, the death in the sphere of death where you are born by nature, children of wrath, even as others, Paul says in Ephesians 2. You've been translated, as we're going to see, out of one 
one spear into another spear. When you're born again, you're taken out of the death, death spear and you're put into the life spear. He that hath the Son hath life. Now we have spiritual life. We're no longer in the spear of death, Brother Dave. We've been taken out of that spear. We're no longer following Satan's ways and he's no longer working through us like he did before because we have the born again nature of God. God is working in us to willing to do of his good pleasure. Thank God for that. Thank God this morning, raise up your hand that you were servants of Satan. Now you're servants of righteousness. Paul says in Romans 6, we were in the valley of shallow of death in the reality of death itself by being in Satan's domain. But now we've been taken out of that domain and put into the domain of God's kingdom Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter into it. But now we entered, we have entered the kingdom of God. We've been born again. Beloved, what a privilege we have. Are you rejoicing this morning in what you have in Jesus Christ? Oh, we not, we have not been appointed under wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ that there's many, 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 many that are going the broad road to destruction. In Colossians 1.13, Paul says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. We have been removed from one kingdom and put into another kingdom. Hallelujah. And Jesus taught this in John 5.24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, present tense, or hearing my word, and believeth on him that sent me, present tense, you're believing on him, hath everlasting life, present tense, you have everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life, that's perfect tense, that means that you were passed from death unto life, that's why you're presently hearing, you're present believing, and you presently have everlasting life, because in the past you were translated out of that kingdom of darkness, you've been born again. And there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Then he goes on to say, because we love the brethren. We love the brethren. Now we'll be dealing with this in quite a few verses we go through. The word love is in the present tense. It means we habitually loving each other. Don't mean we love each other a little bit one day and don't like them the next day. It means we will continually have the attitude, if I can help someone in the church, I'm willing to help them. We're ready to help each other. We, that's the love that comes from our heart of being born again. It's the evidence of having spiritual life. How do you know you have spiritual life? Are you, you willing to love and help your brothers in the church, your sisters in the church? Are you there for them? That's an evidence. It's not the cause of salvation. It's an evidence of salvation. If you've studied the Word of God at all, you understand the word love means so much in the Scriptures. Great stress is laid in the New Testament on love as the preeminence of the Christian virtue. The first fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. What's the first one? Love. To be without love is to be without God. To be without love is not to be born of the Spirit. 
Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If you don't have love, you don't have the Holy Spirit. And God said, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. And what's the evidence that you have the Holy Spirit? That you love one another. That's the evidence. See how important love is? The sign of reality of faith. How do you know you got true faith? Paul says in Galatians 5, 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. But notice this, But faith which worketh by what? Love. Faith worketh by love. What's the evidence that you have faith? It's seen in the evidence of love to each other. Love to God and love to one another. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's the evidence we love Jesus? We're keeping His commandments. Simple, isn't it? It's, I mean, it's not complicated. Then Paul goes on to say that the greatest of these abiding Christian graces is what? Which never has an end. Without it, we are, we are as nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, it says, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I can remove mountains and have not charity or love, he says, I am nothing. Love is greater than anything. He goes on to say, Love never faileth in verse 8. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But love never faileth. In verse 13, he said, Now about a faith, hope, charity, which is love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Charity, which is love. So see why John is putting such an importance on love in his gospel, in the epistle of John? He's showing us that the distinct, the thing that separates the children of God from the children of the devil is one simple word, love. Love. Doing righteousness, not doing wickedness. Practicing righteousness, not practicing evil. Loving God, obeying God, because you've been born of the Spirit of God. John says in verse 14 of chapter 3, 1 John, he said, He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Loveth not, present tense, indicating continuous action of not loving his brother. A person who professes to be a Christian and who continually hates his brother has never been born of God. You can take that to the bank, they used to say. He abideth in death, present tense again. He's continually by his evidence, showing that he's abiding in the realm of death. He's still not born again. The absence of love reveals his inner state, that he continues to abide in the realm of spiritual death. And we're all born in that realm by birth. And you hath he quickened in Ephesians 2.1 who were dead in trespasses and sins. Beloved, we came into this world dead in trespasses and sins and have have a nature that's depraved and wicked and ungodly. And we must, Jesus says, you must, you must be born again. You must be born of the Spirit of God. Or you would die in your sins if you believe not that I am He. And then the last verse he says in John 4.20, If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, John says, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? John makes it simple, doesn't he? He brings it down so we can understand where we're at. Nothing complicated. 
You either love God or you don't love God. You're either a child of God or a child of the devil. You're either practicing righteousness or you're practicing wickedness. You're one or the other. There is no in-between. But beloved, God is good. It says in First Corinthians, I mean in uh, Psalm 136, that the Lord's mercy endureth forever and forever. I pray that a few thoughts this morning in First John chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, might encourage you to keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. What did Paul say? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Oh, brother, I want to tell you something, sisters. It should be joy for us to look forward, to keep fighting the faith, because one day we'll hear him say to you and I, well done, my brother, my sister, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Isn't that what you're living for? I don't want to be ashamed of his appearing, as John says in 1 John 2.29. Some shall be ashamed of his appearing. Why? Because they're not living for him. I pray if anything for my own Christian life and for you, that you will be found faithful when Jesus comes. May we pray. Our gracious and loving Father, may you bless us as we dismiss the service this morning. In singing, we thank you for thy word. May you bless it to our hearts. May we realize the seriousness of the hour. May we cling to the Lord. May we depend upon the Holy Spirit to keep us and to be our comforter. And by He said He would bide with us forever. He's our strength. He, he energizes the inner man. He gives us the faith to believe and the strength to obey the Word of God. We thank You for that blessing. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father. Amen. Does someone have a song in closing?